We would just like to put a little disclaimer on this episode. We will be discussing infant deaths and some content that might be disturbing or difficult for some of our listeners to listen to. So please listen with caution. Welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hi, Diane. How are you? Hi, Jen. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did you get through the holidays in one piece? I did. And I have to say, I was really, really sad on Christmas Eve because I we normally spend like every holiday with my family and we weren't seeing anybody this year because of coronavirus. And so I was listening to, you know, the Sufjan Stevens Christmas albums because they're like the best. And do you know that song um, Christmas in the Room? Have you ever heard that one? I don't know. Maybe. It's off Silver and Gold. It's off like one of the earlier ones. But anyway, listen to it if you just want to like weep openly because it's like it sounds like it could have been written for this year. And it like, it just hit me really hard. So I was like in my kitchen crying my eyes out and I was so sad. And then Christmas ended up being really, really nice. Yeah. Just the three of us. I had to sing one like virtual mass in the morning and then I came home and I got right in my pajamas. What more can you ask for? I drank wine and I did nothing. And then New Year's Eve and New Year's Day was like, pretty much the same. We were like pajamas, relax. Rini played with all her new toys. Mm-hmm. She was very, very good, like well-behaved, surprisingly. Not that she's a bad kid, but you know, yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, kids are just nuts. <laughs> yeah. And, and she was like, I guess because of all the new toys she could play with, like she's been real good. That's great. Yeah, it was just like, it was nice. It was much nicer than I anticipated. How about you? I think we should, uh, I think we should just segue right now. Let's, we'll, we'll let the music play. We'll let the music play. And we'll go right into mom moments because mine is about <laughs> the Christmas Eve experience. Yay, I can't wait. Which was really, really absurd. So my kids are in daycare, which is just, you know, it, it's the risk that we are taking as a family during this crazy pandemic time. Because we've got three kids and, and like, our oldest really needs to be in school, like, for her own good and for our own good as a family. And we are privileged enough to be able to send her. And so we, we send all three of them to the same place. And on the day before – so they had daycare the entire week up until Christmas Eve, and then they were supposed to go half day on Christmas Eve. So Joe and I were like, we've got so much time. We can get all of the toys ready. We can get all the stuff done. Like, this will be, this is going to be so easy. And I didn't have to work on Christmas Eve. So I was just like, oh, this is going to be great. We don't have to go anywhere. Like, this is lovely. And then we had a call on Wednesday, the day before Christmas Eve at around noon, saying that one of our children has a fever. And so all of our children have to go home. 
So Christmas started a day and a half earlier than we were expecting. Oh, <laughs> no. Not really what we wanted, but like we, it was fine. We were like, okay, we just, we're going to have to like do more at night after the kids go to bed and, you know, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. But then um, the kids got home and decided that it was just like they didn't actually have fevers. I don't know what happened to daycare, but nobody had a fever. Everybody was fine. So they were just home running amok. And Joey was in a particularly sassy mood. And during dinner, he was like, I'm going upstairs. And we're like, OK, fine. So he goes upstairs and he comes downstairs about five minutes later and he goes, Mommy, I did something really silly. What'd you do, Joey? I locked your door. I locked your door from the outside. <sighs> like, what? And we moved into this new house and there are new locks on the doors that we don't have keys to because we just moved in. So he locked our bedroom door and we went upstairs. And we were like, this is fine. We'll, you know, we'll call somebody. We'll get it unlocked. It's fine. Right. It's no big deal. Joe was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get into the room. It's fine. I'll figure it out. I go back downstairs to watch the kids, and while he's up there, he discovers that our cat has been locked in the room. Oh, my God. Was she freaking out? Because she's kind of a skittish cat. She's a skittish cat, but the problem was that, like, Joe was messing with the doorknob, so she was like, you're there, you're there. Why aren't you coming in? Why are, what is going on? Can you open the door, please? Oh, poor baby. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow, meow. Scratch, scratch, scratch. <laughs> and so now the kids are upset because they're like, Lola's trapped. Oh, no. Just panic throughout the household. <laughs> so everybody just like lost their minds. And Joe decided that the best solution in the moment was to get all of his power tools and implements of destruction. And and he destroyed the doorknob. And it is now in like seven pieces. And there's like ripped metal. And I it's saw just that picture. Like, it was like yeah. gnarly. <laughs> it's, it was really gnarly. That's the right word for it. But Lolo's fine. Uh, she's only in there for about 45 minutes. <laughs> That's good. Joey learned an important lesson, but it is now January 2nd, and we still don't have a doorknob. So, you know, no privacy. (laughs) Zero privacy. Everyone comes in all the time, messes with my stuff. This is like my one little sanctuary room in the whole house, and now it's just just a free-for-all. Everybody goes in there all the time now. Oh, man. I am so sorry. (laughs) What a way to start the Christmas holiday. (laughs) It was really... I mean, I have to say, though, we got, like, the worst stuff out of the way early on. The rest of the time was pretty benign. That's good. That's good. Thank goodness. But in the moment, I was like, this is just foreshadowing for what's to come. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's very bad. I was in a dark place. (laughs) I can imagine. I feel like I would be panicking, especially with the cat stuck in there. Like, I internally would be, like, I don't even know if I'd be able to handle the kids. I'd be like... Yeah. I need a moment. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. It was it was a little nuts. But I just I just sat there and hovered because that was literally all I could do. And Joe loves when I hover, let me tell you. So he was really <laughs> favorite excited. Thing, I bet. <laughs> he was he was really motivated to get the doorknob off because he was like, Oh, she's hovering. So <laughs> and the kids were because I was hovering, the kids were like on top of me. And so everyone was right on the landing outside of our bedroom door while Joe deconstructed it. It was very funny. So, And Lola's okay? She's safe? Lola's fine. Yes, she's safe. She's happy. She's healthy. Good. So yeah, everything's Good. everything's fine. What is, uh, what is your mom moment? Mine is short, but pretty cute. We have this book 
that um, you open up the flaps and it has like different parts of the body. So it's like under my rain boots are my toes and beneath my scarf is my nose. And so now when we read it, Rini finishes all the, you know, the sentences. So she's yeah. like, nose, toes, knees. But she, when we get to the page on elbows, my shirt sleeves hide my elbows. Yeah. She doesn't call them elbows. She calls them Elmos. <laughs> Elmos. Oh. And she loves Elmo. Yeah. So, like, she got this singing. My friend got her this, like, singing Elmo doll that, like, plays guitar. And I thought it was yep. going to be highly annoying. But the fact that she loves it so much is really cute. Oh, yeah. And so she calls him Elmo. Elmo. <laughs> so when we get to that page of the book, she's we're like, my shirt sleeves hide my Elmos. <laughs> it's very cute. <laughs> That's very sweet. Oh and I my kind goodness. of just want to let her believe that they're Elmo's forever because I just oh, yeah. find it so adorable. <laughs> it's very adorable. Whenever one of my kids, so it's mostly Joey. Joey has had a number of like words that he's mispronounced, but his mispronunciations are so cute that I don't want to ever fix them. And then right. one day he says them right and my heart breaks. Yeah. So two the two big ones were he used to say e-brows for eyebrows, which was really cute. And then my my absolute favorite one was he used to say Haka Doctor for helicopter. Haka Doctor? Haka Doctor. And now he says helicopter because he's four and he's a big boy. That is so cute, though. <laughs> I know. I was so sad when he said it right. I was like, no. <laughs> I don't know. Every time she, do, she like says something that's like kind of wrong like that but I know what she's saying like first of all I get excited that I know what she means and second of all I'm like this is really cute this is adorable yeah yep. I know yeah. it's very sweet so there's just more of that get ready I it's can't just wait like years of that ahead it's really lovely all right so I hear you have a doozy for us today I do so lay it on me so this has been a topic that I've had on my list of topics I want to do for a long time, but I knew it was going to be a lot of research and it was going to be like a little emotionally taxing to do the research. So I was like, I don't know if I want to do it, but I had some extra time. Before I tell you what the episode is, I am going to just, I wrote a little something out that I'm going to read with my own experience with the history of this. It was the first thing all my mom friends suggested to me when I was pregnant and making my registry. They said it was a lifesaver and it kept them sane and it was their number one recommendation for must-have baby products. And when I went on more mommy forums online, it seemed to have a cult following. So I was really excited to add it to my registry and delighted when a family member purchased it for us. The day after it arrived, I made my husband assemble it. I was very excited to see it. Um, and I was really jazzed to see, you know, what the hype was about. It was mid-April. My daughter was due in early May. She ended up coming at the end of April, but it was pretty close to when she was going to be born. But just hours after he put it together, we heard about the recall. 32 infant deaths, 32 dead babies. And that kind of woke me up. And the product sat in our living room for a few days because I wasn't really sure what to do with it. And we had just put it together, but we eventually disassembled it and we sent it back to Fisher Price for our refund. And we never used the rock and play. We were lucky. Other people were not. And when I think about that, it, I'm sorry, <laughs> it makes me really sad. So I am going to do, it's very recent history, but I feel like it's important history to talk about because 
I'm surprised that it didn't get more media attention at the time. I feel like I only heard about it because I was like actively looking at this mom stuff and a friend sent me the article. But uh, we are going to talk about the history of the rock and play, where it started, how it became ubiquitous in American households, and how it all ended. Here we go. Let's start with how we got here. You know, a new mom, as you know, Jen, and you can attest to this, is sleep deprived. Yes. To the point of desperation, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I know this because my daughter was a horrible sleeper for the entire first year of her life, and I would have done anything to get her to sleep, right? I don't know if your kids were good sleepers or not. We had we had our issues and we definitely made some I have a number of friends who are very very, you know, like there is never ever ever an okay excuse to put your baby to sleep in anything other than a crib ever. The end, conversation over. And in hindsight, I tend to agree with that. But in the moment when you are going crazy and your kid won't sleep outside of anywhere but like this one surface that you know isn't super safe but like you just need them to sleep and they need to sleep because they're screaming because they're so tired sometimes you weigh your options and make not always the best choice yeah and and that's the issue i mean i mean there are many issues at play here but i think that a big thing was that you know manufacturers are kind of preying on that desperation of moms, especially in the U.S. where we have a, you know, a lack of paid maternity and paternity leave. Mm -hmm. So not only are you sleep deprived, but you have to get up and function at work the next day. Yes, you do. And you have a lack of extended family and support in the U.S. We don't live with our extended family like other countries. So it kind of creates a perfect storm for us to look for these like magical products that we want to believe are going to fix it. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of them. There are. Whole industry around this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a swing. So like the rock and play was recalled, but we had a swing and it was on an incline. And I knew she wasn't supposed to sleep in it, but sometimes she would fall asleep. And, you know, what was I going to do? I was like, do I wake her? So I would just sit and watch her. And I was and I know safe sleep advocates are going to say that's not a solution. And it's not. Yeah. And I'm not advocating for anything, but I was exhausted and I made some yeah. choices that were probably questionable. And after doing all this research, it makes me really feel bad and yeah. think like I have to do it differently if there's a next time. But, you know, it's really hard when you're so tired. Yeah. I mean, after Emma, I was like, I'm not going to do it the same way next time. I'm going to make sure I make better choices. I did the I'm not the same exact things with Joey, but similarly ill-advised things and then the same thing happened with Liam like you're kind of just surviving I did not do those things all the time but there were times when they happened and I agonized over it and watched them like vigilantly and was very you know like hyper aware that something might go wrong at any moment but sometimes they're like I refuse to sleep anywhere but this specific spot yeah. And, like, and, and we're the lucky ones because we know the risks. Yeah. And we're yeah. c- kind of um, making like a risk assessment and, and we're aware of what we're doing. And there are many people in this country who don't have all the information because it's not so readily available unless you look for it. And unfortunately, many pediatricians are not up to date on the most current safe sleep guidelines and people get wrong information. And so 
you know, maybe listening to this, somebody will learn something they didn't know. Let's get into it. There's a reason that newborns do not sleep well. They have poorly regulated systems and they need a lot of assistance to fall asleep and stay asleep. And they don't tend to sleep for long periods of time because they need to get up and eat, right? Mm -hmm. It's normal, it's biological, but it kills us as parents. So uh, many parents understand that sleep in the crib is what we really want. Mm -hmm. We get that. We are not uninformed. We know the risks, but we are so sleep deprived, like we said. So the reality is that when you suffer from sleep deprivation, you make choices that you wouldn't normally make. Mm -hmm. Enter the rock and play. Did you have one? No, I didn't. I mean, we had something similar, I guess. We had the Snug a Baby Bouncer, which yeah. is from, I think, Fisher Price. I forget. Well, they had many iterations. So we're talking about the rock and play, but really what I should have called this is the infant inclined sleeper episode. That's what this is about. So what we had was not a, it, it was a bouncer. It was not a sleeper. It was not intended for a baby to sleep in. My children did not prefer sleeping in anything as much as they preferred sleeping in that freaking bouncer. Mm -hmm. All three of them. And it was the same exact one. And they fell asleep in that thing like magic. Just like they hadn't slept in 10 hours, which is insane when you're a little tiny baby. I know. And I'd put them down in that and they'd just pass out. And I'd be like, all right, I'm just going to sit here. And hold yeah. my hand on your chest. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take you out if I'm worried. Because you need to sleep. Well, you got to sleep, baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And and I think it's really important in this episode to say that um, none of anything that could ever happen is the parent's fault. These devices are marketed as solutions to a problem. And that's the first issue is there needs to be more regulation. And it's starting. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you put your child in a rock and play to sleep, there is no shame in that. In fact, those were marketed for sleep. So you did nothing wrong. So enter the rock and play. It was plush, padded sling, had really high sides. Um, it had a three-point harness to kind of, you know, strap the kid in. It vibrated, it rocked, uh, and it played music to soothe babies to sleep. And the most important element of it was it had a 30-degree angle mm -hmm. for the... So they were inclined up by their head and their neck. Yeah. Per Baby Bargains, the Rock and Plays box read that it's great for overnight sleep. And the Fisher-Price website said the product's inclined seat helps babies sleep all night long. Ooh. So right on the box, they're saying wow. it's okay to use this, which I didn't realize. Because by the time I was getting the Rock and Play, as we'll get to, the regulations were starting to come out. So it was like, oh, it's okay to have it, but they should only nap in it. Or it's okay to have it, but you need to watch them in it. When it first came out, they were advertising it for overnight sleep. They were basically saying it's a bassinet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Rock and Play, the reason it was so popular was because compared to other things like the Snoo bassinet, which I believe is actually a flat surface and is safe, that's really expensive. It is. The Snoo is super expensive. Really expensive. And an average parent can't afford that. But the Rock and Play was $50 or like I think the highest price model was like $100. Yeah. That's affordable. Yeah. A lot of people got it. Mm -hmm. So here is a review from the Target website that I pulled. It says, my daughter is now three months old and she sleeps in this every night. 
She started sleeping through the night at six weeks old, and I am sure it is all thanks to this. It cuddles them in as if someone is still holding them. Huh. And it does. But, like, that's the problem. Yeah. In the early, I think mid-1990s, the American Academy of Pediatrics already knew that sleeping on an incline was unsafe. So how did this all get started? Well, there was an alarming lack of oversight and a lack of research when this was created. And this really blew my mind. A lot of the statements that I'm going to say here, and I have some quotes, are taken from testimony and lawsuits brought by some of the parents of children who died in the rock and play. So that's why we have lots of quotes here. The person who created the rock and play was a woman called Linda Chapman, who worked for Fisher Price. And her son was a baby in the late 1990s who had really bad reflux. And the pediatrician suggested, incorrectly, that elevating his head would ease the discomfort and help him sleep through the night. That's what they recommend for adults. Sure. Right. But it's not true. In fact, I I believe it can actually make reflux worse in babies because baby reflux works differently than adult reflux. Yes, it does. So when Linda was looking for a sleeper that would prop him up, like the doctor said, she couldn't find one. So she just kind of wedged up his mattress. But that memory like stayed with her of how tired she was and how she couldn't get him to sleep. And it was just like the worst thing in the world. She was a designer at Fisher Price since 1990, and she worked mostly in the area of imaginative play toys. The product that she developed that eventually became the Rock and Play was the first sleeper she'd ever designed. She had no experience ever making a sleeper or a bassinet. Yikes. I feel bad for this woman. I do too. (laughs) She was given bad advice by her doctor. When we go through this story, I feel like she's the least to blame of all the employees at Fisher Price. I know she created it, but I feel like she had good intentions. And and we'll see that she created the toy, but according to her, she was a designer. There were other teams at Fisher Price that were supposed to check the safety. Mm-hmm. So yes, she was basically saying like that wasn't my job. I designed it. I was under the assumption that other people were going to test it. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to blame her. Yeah. I think she had good intentions. Yeah. Since 1994, the AAP guidelines have recommended that babies sleep on their backs on a firm, flat surface that is free from soft bedding and has no restraints. The rock and play was not flat. Its sidewalls and head support come up. They have soft bedding and it has a restraint harness. Yeah. So all the things. (laughs) All the things that are wrong. But her pediatrician gave her incorrect information. Mm -hmm. Not her fault. When asked during a deposition for one of the lawsuits, do you ever research any of the medical or regulatory conditions of the product? Linda answered, I do not. There's a team of people at Fisher Price. That's their responsibility. There's a lot of like blame within the company that you're going to see. So, uh, but members of the safety team didn't research the medical side of the rock and play either. Well, that's on them for sure. Uh (laughs) Michael Steinwalks, I think that's how you say it said that was not part of my charge at the time. He was the product's integrity engineer on the hazard analysis team. That sounds like very much in his wheelhouse. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. But he says that the responsibility goes to Kitty Pilars, who was the director of product safety for Fisher Price's parent company, Mattel. Oh, Jesus. So he was saying that it was Mattel's job to look at this. But... Pilars didn't research the safety either. Yeah. She didn't read any medical literature about inclined sleep. She never contacted the AAP. She never talked to any pediatricians or medical organizations. 
nobody at Fisher-Price conducted any independent testing or studies to verify that the sleeper's 30-degree angle was safe for babies. Mm. Nobody tested it. Nice job, Fisher-Price. Yikes. That blew my mind. Yeah, I feel like you probably couldn't get away with that now. No, you can't. I (laughs) I mean, as far as I know. (laughs) Yeah. So why did Fisher-Price say otherwise on their website? In a now-deleted page of their website, Fisher-Price says, When we approached the Fisher-Price Safety Committee with this idea, they had concerns, but they also recognized the need. Our design and engineering team put a lot of thought into the best way to do this. We had to find just the right angle for elevation and just the right range for rocking motion. Choosing fabrics was key, too. Adding mesh on the sides for airflow. (laughs) Jeez, that's awful. And it makes me think also of um, the other thing that that I I only used it for a little while, and I think with Joey, it wasn't as a uh, as beloved as the bouncer was. But it's another very expensive version of the here. Let me put you into this cradle like you know inclined position that moves around. It was the um, the Mamaru. Oh my god! Everybody raved about that too. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got it. I got it secondhand, so I only paid like a hundred bucks for it because it's usually like four hundred or whatever. And it had this setting that was like car ride, so like it moved the bassinet around, sort of in this like jumbly way. And you know, like you put your baby in it, and it had it had like ocean waves and mom rocking, and like all these different ways that it would move the bassinet. And you put that baby in there, and they just were like, "Oh, go to sleep now." And it was just an inclined pod, like a little, like, cocoon. You put them in there. And I have a picture of Joey, like, just a few days old in it with Emma in a diaper standing next to him. And when I look at that now, I go, oh, my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> so I know, but, but hmm. we live and we learn. So remember we talked about this Michael Steinwalks guy? He was the one that said, oh, it wasn't my job. It was Mattel's job. Um, So he said in another deposition, the only standards or best practices that we know concerning inclined products are related to infant car seats. Infant car seats have the best practice to never have them angled with a seat back angle greater than 45 degrees. So we chose 30, which is well below 45 degrees. And the 30 degrees was determined to be a conservative, safe angle. But car seats are designed and tested to be safe in a moving car. The number one priority is to keep a baby safe in an accident. It's not intended for extended periods of sleep. When you look at safe sleep anything, they're like, oh, and car seats? If your baby falls asleep in the car, it's not great, but like, it's better that they be in the car seat and be safe in case you get into an accident. So we're modeling this, we're creating this for the higher risk to the baby, which is getting in a car accident. But many people, and I will admit that with Emma, we did this frequently because we didn't know yet. It was before this information came into our purview. If Emma fell asleep in the car, we'd just unhook her bucket thing from the car and bring it into the house and put her down on the kitchen floor and just go about our business. And she just slept and slept and slept and slept. And it was lovely. Yeah. (laughs) And then like one day somebody was like, you can't do that. And I was like, what? Oh, no. Again, they make these products where you can take the whole seat out and you think. It's just so convenient. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> yeah. 
One of the things I wish that I had that nobody told me I should get, but looking back for safe sleep, I wish I had one of those strollers with a bassinet attachment. Oh, yeah. Because I was always worried because she you, you click the car seat in, Yep. you know, and then they fall asleep. Yeah. So basically, like, they used car seats as their model, and, and they didn't use actual sleeping surfaces. Oh, my God. And they only sought medical advice from one doctor. Don't tell me it was her doctor. No. (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. No, it was this guy named Gary Deeger who uh, practiced in Texas. He consulted for Fisher-Price for 20 years. And according to Pilar's... He said that the 30-degree angle was just fine. He said babies might get scrunched up in it, but that's okay because it's like they're in the fetal position and they're in that position in the womb, so it's fine. But babies don't breathe through their mouths in the womb. Come on, doctor. (laughs) I know. But it's, I mean, it's okay, Jen, because uh, in the years following his work with the Rock and Play Sleeper, the Texas Medical Board issued a cease and desist order forbidding him from treating patients after it was learned that he had been practicing under the influence of drugs or alcohol and his license had lapsed. And this was the only doctor that they worked with? The only what one. What is wrong with them? Holy moly. Before I forget, I do want to say I I consulted quite a few articles, but the main article I used was the actual Consumer Reports, like article that like broke this story. And it was extremely detailed. It was written by Rachel Rabkin Peachman. She spent months, possibly years, like contacting the families of these children who died and trying to figure out what happened. And they really like put the pressure on to get things moving. So that really got the ball rolling. But despite the lack of research, the Rock and Play was released in October 2009 and marketed for naps and nighttime sleep. Great. And it was initially billed as a bassinet. Oh no, you can't use that word. Well, you could at the time. Very soon after it launched is when those standards changed. Yeah. So in April 2010, which was just six months after the Rock and Play was actually released, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which we're going to call the CPSC for the rest of the episode, proposed new rules for what could qualify as a bassinet. It had to be a hard, flat surface with no extra padding and no more than a 10 degree incline. Mm-hmm. The Rock and Play had... All of those things. Yes. But they were like, whew, thank goodness we already got our thing out the door. <laughs> well, not not thank goodness. They would have had to stop selling it as a bassinet. And at the time, there was no other category for any kind of sleeper. Mm. So instead of changing the product to be safe, they thought it was a good idea to create a new category that is not a bassinet but it's called a sleeper. Yeah, good job. Oof. So they uh, they petitioned the CPSC to create a new category for sleepers, such as the rock and play that would have restraints and have an incline up to 30 degrees. So wait, the CPSC approved that? Yes. Okay, this is now on the CPSC. <laughs> yes, which is a government agency. Holy moly. Uh-huh. This is this is completely on them now. <laughs> Let's find let's find the next person in this blame chain. Holy moly. It's like you don't know like where to go next. The hits just keep coming. <laughs> All they needed to do was say, no, no. If you want a baby to sleep in this, we're in charge of safety for this country and you need to meet the following criteria. Redesign your stupid thing. 
God. You would think just out of like a moral obligation, like, oh, this is not safe. We didn't realize it wasn't safe. Now we should change it. Mm-mm. Oh, my word. Yep. So the woman, P. Lars, the one who worked for like Mattel, mm-hmm. she wrote to this CPSC that if inclined sleepers could not be sold, it could even increase children's risk of injuries as parents reach for substitutes. So again, putting the blame on parents. Yeah. Not on Fisher Price. Goodness. There's another organization that we get to blame. Yay! (laughs) Um, Yeah, the ASTM International. So they are an organization that gathers manufacturers, government officials, medical experts, consumers, and other people in the industry to create voluntary standards for products. So they, working with the CPSC and Fisher Price, ended up giving the green light for this new category. But Jen, guess who was the chairman of the ASTM subcommittee who was charged with creating the new standard? Who? Michael Steinwachs. No! <laughs> who helped develop the rock and play. You're done, Michael. You're on my SHIT list. Jeez Louise. It's just like corruption at, like on every level. I don't want to be like one of those folks. But I think this all comes back to capitalism, man. No, it does. <sighs> so obviously, immediately, safe sleep experts and pediatricians were like, red flag, red flag. <laughs> because the incline of the sleeper made children more susceptible to positional asphyxiation. Yep. Which we all know is a thing now. Yes. Because infants' heads are so heavy, they can't hold them up independently. So they end up slumping forward on, you know, and, and cutting off their airway. Yes. Interestingly... Officials in other countries did ban the sale of the rock and play hmm. and express their concerns, which caused Fisher Price to change some of their marketing tactics. So, for example, in Canada, they placed a warning on the box to never leave a child unattended. But that warning was not on the box in other countries. <sighs> so now we get to the even worse part. Oh, great. None of the safety standard regulation changes deterred Fisher Price, even when they started getting information about deaths and injuries they did not want to pull the product sarah thompson she is from nazareth pennsylvania she wrote to the cpsc in december 2012 telling them how her son died in the rock and play sleeper in september 2011 and this is a quote my 15 week old son died in the last rock and sleeper we had and ruled sids the CPSC passed the information to Fisher Price's risk management team, which documented the inju- the incident as an injury flag, but then did nothing. So Fisher Price also stood its ground as pediatricians started to really voice their concerns. Um, there was a specific pediatrician in Georgia, Roy Benarock, who was an adjunct associate professor at Emory University in Atlanta, and he called and wrote to Fisher Price in February 2013 to warn them that the product was not safe for infant sleep. He's thinking he's doing a good thing, saying, they must not know. Yeah. I'm going to tell them. They knew. The company responded by email, simply stating that the rock and play sleeper complies with all applicable standards. Yeah, sure. If you can find a way to shoehorn your product into the legal framework of the various things that exist out there, then yeah, it's compliant. Yeah. Compliance means nothing, though. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. But at least in the 21st century, we have the internet because Benarock posted about 
this whole exchange with Fisher Price on his blog. Oh. And several lawyers asked him to be an expert witness in their lawsuits that were quietly being filed involving many deaths and injuries that were tied to the rocket plane. Mm. So things are starting to happen. But for the most part, the public has no idea this is happening. Yeah. The product is ranked number one bestseller on Amazon. It's given the Moms Love It Award by WhatToExpect.com and Babies R Us. It inspires other companies to create similar products. And as the months and the years pass, the number of deaths just keep increasing. Mm-hmm. But people don't know because even though they're reported privately to the CPSC by manufacturers and consumers, there is a law called Section 6B of the Consumer Product Safety Act that requires the CPSC to seek permission from manufacturers before publicly releasing information about the company or their products, even if it is warning about injuries or death. Hmm. So the CPSC can, they can gather the information and have it, but they can't tell the public unless the manufacturer gives them the okay. Hmm. Nice. Which is like, (laughs) how does that even make sense? It's a conflict of interest. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. Mm -hmm. (sighs) That section 6B is going to come back, so just remember that. Okay. So the infants that died, it followed a similar pattern each time. There was a two-month-old baby girl in Hidalgo County, Texas, found on her back in a rock-and-play sleeper with her chin on her shoulder, cutting off Mm -hmm. her airway. Yep. A two-month-old boy in Jacksonville, Florida, discovered by his mother with blood coming out of his nose and mouth after Mm -hmm. a nap in his sleeper. And a three-month-old in Leesville, Louisiana, was found with his cheeks cold, pacifier in his mouth, not breathing. Um, So all these babies, keep in mind, were still on their backs, strapped in. But some babies, like five-month-old Ezra Overton, were found dead on their bellies after rolling over in the sleeper. But as the death toll rose, Fisher-Price did not pull its product, did not make any design changes. And during her deposition in that Hidalgo County lawsuit of that little girl that died, Pilars was asked to confirm that Fisher-Price had not changed how it marketed the Rock and Play Sleeper, despite all the evidence of the deaths, and her only reply was correct. So the lawyer um, in that case said, is there a particular number of children that have to die before that's going to be looked into? And she was silent. Yeah. Yeah, what else can you do? <laughs> I, I, I almost feel bad for her because that must have been like that. I can't imagine that she doesn't live with a huge oh, yeah. weight on her conscience forever, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I sure hope. But yeah, who knows? So eventually on May 31st, 2018, which is nine years after the Rock and Play was launched, CPSC finally issues a mild warning. It's just an alert on their website titled Caregivers Urged to Use the Restraints with Inclined Sleeper Products. Mm -hmm. So it's just very vague. It warns people that there are hazards when the infants are not restrained properly. Always use the restraints so that the infant can't roll over. But the announcement does not list any specific product names Mm -hmm. because of Section 6B. Yeah. It just says infant incline sleepers. And let's be honest, Jen, people don't even know what an infant incline sleeper is. They just know what a rock and play is. Yeah. So nobody thought anything of it. Yep. It went completely ignored. Yep. And it was a very vague warning anyway, because a lot of the children that died were strapped in properly. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. We're in it as intended. Yep. Yeah. The only reason that Consumer Reports was able to finally break this story open was because the CPSC made a big mistake. 
Mm. Consumer Reports requested data from the agency to review. And when they got it, it included all the normal stuff. Information on product failures, injuries, and deaths that manufacturers, healthcare providers, and consumers had provided to the CPSC. Mm -hmm. That's all normal, standard, all that data. But this time, there was something different. The manufacturer and product names were not redacted per Section 6B. They effed up. (laughs) They, They simply made a mistake. They didn't redact the information. Yeah. And Consumer Reports got lucky. And they got it. Yeah. So right in front of them were details of at least 19 infant fatalities attributed to the Fisher-Price Rock-and-Play Sleeper and similar products made by Kids 2, and likely up to 29 deaths linked to the Rock-and-Play Sleeper alone based on incomplete reports. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. But it gets worse. After some more digging, because what they did was they got the names of parents and they contacted people. Mm -hmm. And after doing some more digging, they eventually uncovered at least 32 infant deaths between 2011 and 2018 linked to the rock and play. They released their report, as did the Wall Street Journal. And the Wall Street Journal outlined at least 700 injuries connected to the rock and play since 2005. And I know the Rock and Play itself wasn't released till 2009, so I'm assuming there must have been some other product on the market, like a swing or something. So Consumer Reports confronted the CPSC and Fisher Price about the infant deaths, and they said, "Listen, we know what's going on." So Fisher Price did not pull their product, but they issued a warning that parents should stop using the Rock and Play with babies older than three months, as well as babies who can start rolling over. None of that is correct. (laughs) And it's a total reversal from their initial requirements. Mm -hmm. Initially, they said the rock and play was limited to babies who weighed at least 25 pounds. Mm -hmm. 25 pounds. Yeah. That's a huge shift. So the American Academy of Pediatrics finally is like, this is enough. Yeah. So they point out that this warning is not enough and this product is deadly. So on April 9th, 2019, they call on... Fisher Price to take action. This is the AAP statement. Quote, we cannot put any more children's lives at risk by keeping these dangerous products on the shelves. This is Dr. Rachel Moon of the AAP. The Rock and Play Incline Sleeper should be removed from the market immediately. It does not meet the AAP's recommendations for a safe sleep environment for any baby. So that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Wow. Three days later. Fisher-Price and CPSC issued the recall, asking parents to immediately stop using the product. So they went from this kind of mild, vague warning to pulling it completely. Because the AAP has a lot of clout. Like, you know, when they say that, that means something. Yes. You almost wish they said something earlier. Yes, (laughs) I do kind of wish they'd said something earlier. (laughs) But... They finally did. And sites like Amazon and Walmart and like Bye Bye Baby, they pulled all the Rock and Plays and any similar products from their sites right away. So at least at least once they recalled it, like everybody kind of sprung into action. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Jeez, Fisher Price. And this was, I mean, as you just described, this was days before Rini was born. Yep. She was born the 26th. And we had that Rock and Play set up. And I cannot tell you. I had said to a couple of my friends, like, what's the one thing you use the most? And they almost all said, the rock and play. Saved their lives, kept them sane. Yep. 
And I know because my daughter was such a horrible sleeper yeah. that if it had not been recalled, 100% I would have used it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yep. So. Oh, my goodness. But Fisher-Price still denies any wrongdoings. They claim their product is safe. Mm. Instead, they are placing the blame on the parents. Jeez. Which just breaks my heart. They're just doubling down. Yep. They put out an official statement that said they recalled the product in an abundance of caution because parents were not using it properly, basically. Parents of dead infants were and still are attacked on social media and called negligent, and they feel responsible for the deaths of their children, which they should not. No, yeah. And I think that, like, the blaming of the parents from companies or from other people on the internet, it's like, it's, it not only is it shameful, but it's factually incorrect. Yeah. Like, the product is just not safe. Yeah. So the news of the recall prompted more families to come forward. Uh, in one such report submitted just days after the Rock and Play Sleeper was recalled, uh, one mother wrote, On April 21st, 2016, my week-old son was laying buckled in the Rock and Play Sleeper while I was preparing the needs for his feeding. When I went to pick him up to feed him, his face was turned into the side of the rocker and was not breathing. Hmm. 911 was contacted, CPR was provided, and he was rushed to the hospital. After being treated for an hour and a half, he was pronounced dead. Why did it take so many deaths and so many years to say anything about the incidents? <sighs> but to make that even worse, three days after that 2016 death, Michael Steinwalks, the Fisher-Price product safety engineer who didn't test the safety of the Rock and Play, received an award from the ASTM for his leadership and technical contributions, resulting in the development of the standard for infant inclined sleep products. Oh, my word. Hey. It's like this story is like when you think it can't get worse, it gets so much worse. <laughs> yeah, gee whiz. Oh. So we were in April, right? April 2019. So now we're going to go to June. We're going to try to pick up the pace here. In June 2019, uh, CPSC confirmed at least 50 deaths. So we were at 32. Now we're at 50 yep. linked to rocker like inclined sleepers and an additional six deaths tied to stationary inclined sleepers, such as a nap nanny. Fisher-Price also recalled about 71,000 inclined sleeper accessories sold with one of its portable cribs. And then another manufacturer, Durrell, recalled its rocking inclined sleeper products. Even though there were no associated deaths, they were trying to be proactive. And so yeah. they just recalled it. You give them credit for that. Mm -hmm. By mid-October 2019, the CSPC had new leadership. And they finally started to like get their act together. So uh, they revealed that they knew of 73 deaths. And a total of 1,108 incidents involving infant inclined sleepers dating as far back as 2005. Oy vey. And it is not till October 31st, 2019, that the CPSC finally warns caregivers to avoid all infant inclined sleepers, regardless of the brand. Yeah, it's amazing that it's like during our, like my most recent babies and your current babies' lives that this happened because now it's very clear you know you don't put a baby to sleep on anything other than a crib or a bassinet the end <laughs> and listen i know i was put to sleep on my side mm -hmm. i don't know if you were stomach or side i don't know but 
science is ever evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. And just because you survived doesn't mean it was safe. Yeah. That is called survivor bias. Yeah. And the more we know, things will continue to change. Yep. That is how science works. <laughs> that is exactly how science works. <laughs> Pediatricians acknowledge that babies do not sleep well on their backs. Mm-hmm. But it is still the most safe. Yes. Partly because they will wake up frequently. Yep. That's exactly right. <laughs> Which is not fair, but, you know, like. (laughs) It's not fair, but we need to put more pressure on employers in the United Mm -hmm. States to give people more maternity, paternity, you know, family leave. Yep. So that you actually can put your baby to sleep in a safe way and not feel like you're going to die because you have to get up for work the next day. Yeah. and Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to change systematically. It needs to be the employers. It needs to be the government that actually sets some regulations and some laws that make it so that parents are supported. This all is tied together. You need to also have you know support for early childhood education. And there's just so much that we just don't do that we could do but we don't because we put we put the emphasis on different things because we think that's where the payoff's going to be for us as a society but it means that you're using and abusing the resource of actual humans in order to get there well i'll leave you with one thing because i'm hopeful but i'm realistic Mm -hmm. in this great article that rachel peachman wrote She put a little epilogue at the end Mm. uh, that I'm just going to pull from really quickly. Linda Chapman and Kitty Pilar, so those were those two employees at Fisher-Price, they still work at Fisher-Price. In April 2019, the same month the Rock and Play Sleeper was recalled, Chapman was promoted to Director of Product Design for Newcomers Play and Sleep. Pilar's remains on the ASTM subcommittee for Infant Sleepers, in addition to several other juvenile products committees. Uh, Sarah Thompson, who was that mom in Pennsylvania whose uh, son Alex died in the Rock and Play Sleeper in 2011, has visited members of Congress to support legislation banning infant incline sleepers. Mm -hmm. The Juvenile Products Manufacturers Association, which is an industry trade group, still certifies infant incline sleepers and is not ready to give up on that category yet. So the category still exists. Jeez, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh Yeah, saying that they believe there's not sufficient evidence to uh, support uh, pulling the inclined sleepers altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the CPSC, was investigated by the Senate Commerce Committee Democratic staff, which found in December 2019 that a series of high-profile failures to effectively recall dangerous products have called into question the ability of the CPSC to adequately protect American consumers from unsafe and defective products and they showed a pattern of inappropriate deference to industry. Ooh, wow. It's pretty damning. So that that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's nothing like a Senate subcommittee to get to the bottom of something. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Please, dear listeners, if you have put your child to sleep on something that you shouldn't have don't feel badly we've all done it but just do better next time (laughs) if you can exactly you know it's hard but yeah i think uh we we just need to hold our 
companies and institutions a little bit more accountable to, you know, make sure that we're as safe as we can be. And remember that just because something is on the market doesn't mean it's safe. That's exactly right. Which is a hard thing to grasp. Yes, it's very hard to grasp. There are so many aftermarket things for babies that are just like 100% not okay, but they look like great innovations and things that'll solve my problem and blah, blah, we blah, We talked blah, about blah. it in the car seat episode, yeah, right? Yeah. Adding like extra padding or, yep. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And if you see a rock and play, I, I think they've nipped it in the bud now, but if you see a rock and play on like Facebook Marketplace yes. or some other aftermarket, report it. Mm-hmm. It should not be sold. Yes, If you see them in like a secondhand store or wherever, just be like, no, 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 goodbye. That is recalled because they may not even know. Yeah. So just we can all do our part there. That's exactly right. And and be be kind and gentle with one another. If you if you know someone who's practicing some sort of unsafe sleep with their kid, there there are certainly ways that you can have these conversations that. You know, will will help that family make better choices and not make them feel horrible. So, you know, do a little bit of do a little bit of research into those conversations if you if you feel like you might be able to do some good. But, whew, this is a hard one. Yes, I guess we should just wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, I think we we have to. <laughs> oh my so goodness! Where can all you right. find us? <laughs> you can find us on all of the great places on the internet. There's so many great places on the internet, right? I mean, some of them are kind of cesspools, but we like to hang out in in some pretty, you know, like benign places. So we're we have a Facebook page, Facebook in general, pretty big cesspool, but our little corner of Facebook is very wholesome. Lots of really fun, like parenting memes and things like that. So you can come on over to our Facebook page. We also are on Twitter and Instagram at OPW Podcast. Post little things here and there to keep you entertained. And then you can also send us an email at OPDWPodcast at gmail.com. If you have any stories or things about parenting or crazy things that you've done in the past that really worked for you and now you're like how did I ever do that <laughs> let yeah. us know we love a good story and uh and you know be safe out there yeah our music is done by Theo Rosenberg and I want to give Theo a shout out because he is doing the very difficult task of applying to colleges as I think we've said and during a pandemic that's even more stressful it's so hard He has gotten in to so many of his top schools for music production and music industry studies. Oh, wow. I don't want to give names because I I don't think he's decided. I don't know them all. But I'm pretty sure he got into like his top school, which is an excellent like music production and music industry program. Good for him. And I'm just thrilled for him. I think he's going to do really fantastic things. He's a really talented composer. And I know, you know, my husband and I are just like, so proud of him. Good so. for him. I cannot wait to just follow him. We'll just – we're huge Theo fans here, as you know. So we'll just keep you all up to date on Theo's – like at the end of every episode, we'll be like, and Theo got into his school, and Theo went to school, and here's his new track. <laughs> we'll just give you all the Theo news. And then we'll say we knew him when. <laughs> oh, we knew him when. <laughs> oh, we gave him his big break. <laughs> we did. Man, Not where really. would he be today without us? <laughs> Just kidding. (laughs) Diane, thank you so much. Until next time. Be kind to yourself and make the best choices you can for your baby. 